today on Security Science, security metrics and reporting on cybersecurity to the board of directors. Hello, and thanks for joining as we discuss cybersecurity metrics and reporting to boards of directors. With me is everyone's favorite CISO turned CTO and co-founder, the Baron of risk-based vulnerability management himself, Baron Bellis. Thanks for joining us, Ed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Oh, man. I snuck a new title in again. Um, I need to start keeping track of how many titles we assign you on this podcast. I'm pretty sure you are every single piece of British royalty as it relates to risk-based vulnerability management thus far. Yeah, we're going to have to move on to some other f- types of royalty. Is there like Spanish, right? It's got to be like some sort of Asian one as well. Maybe Chinese royalty. You're you're giving me ideas. Eastern Europe, maybe <laughs> some of the Ru- Russian royalty as well. Oh man, how far can we keep this going? <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Okay, well you keep sneaking in there. I'll keep laughing when I'm doing your introduction. Anyway, uh, getting back on topic here. Um, we're actually recording this for a second time because we had some technical difficulties on the first one. But, you know, this whole thing came up because, one, I've seen this trend probably, what, this comes up at least once a year where we see an article that's talking about how um, cybersecurity has become, you know, one of the hot topics for the boards of directors. Um, there's also a lot of discussions and articles online that you know, try to give some best practices, right? Um, cybersecurity is a pretty technical realm. It can be hard to describe to people who aren't technically savvy or come from more of a business-related backend um, and or background. And, you know, I figured we'd discuss with you since, you know, one, you have been a CISO, you've reported to the boards, you currently report to boards of directors, um, and you kind of manage the person who runs security for our company here as well. So um, just discussing how has the role that boards of directors played in security and what is the best way to uh, you know, discuss security metrics with them and get them on the right page? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, it's a great topic. And, and I can say that uh, historically speaking, going back to my days at Orbitz and, you know, occasionally coming in and presenting to the board to, to what we see today, it's changed dramatically, I think, over the years, both in, in frequency and in, in importance, right? So getting it right is, is really key. Is, uh, your, your career as a CISO can be uh, quite limited if, if, if you're not doing this correctly. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. And let's start with that. Like historically, what would you say from a frequency standpoint? Let's start there, right? How often were boards of directors, if if they were even paying attention, um, talking to CISOs and or about security topics? Yeah. Now, uh, one caveat here is industry and size and public versus private all matter here, yep. um, both in terms of frequency, impact, and importance. Um that said, you know, back, you know, in the, the aughts, right, the 2000 to 2010 era, um, I would say it was very infrequent. In fact, I would tell you more often than not, you weren't reporting out directly to the full board unless there was, God forbid, an incident or something that went down. For the most part, you were reporting out to the audit committee, right? Which is a subset of of the board of directors who is responsible for a number of different things, uh, including you know things that uh, involve 
security audits, but also financial audits and, and all of these different things. Um, so, you know, you were probably, if you're reporting to the full board, it was probably a, or most likely a bad news scenario. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and you were in, in the process of hopefully correcting that bad news. Um, or you were talking about, you know, various issues that are coming up related to risk, uh, findings uh, across the different audits that, that you might be managing. And that was typically to the audit committee itself. So it was very infrequent, um, typically not full board and certainly not of the kind of the impact that we see today. Gotcha. And what kind of uh what were they looking for back then? So if you're reporting to an audit committee, I imagine, you know, they're used to seeing lots of detailed numbers, uh, having things very well structured behind some kind of regulation or, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Very heavy compliance focus, as you would imagine. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, whether it be, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley audit and findings that are around that, whether it be at the time PCI or, or, or anything else, I'm sure, you know, there, there's a lot of compliance frameworks that have, have come out since then and of various importance. But it was usually around how are we doing in the various areas of compliance, are there any uh, material findings that we either need that are impending? That are, how are we mitigating to make sure that we don't have material findings? But very much tactical compliance focused for the most part. And by material findings, do you mean evidence of a breach or some kind of a leak or... Yeah, I mean, you have a series of controls, right? And your auditor is going to come in and, and rate them and you're going to have various findings. Uh, what you definitely do not want to, in your audit is a material finding, right? Something that they deem at a level that uh, is, is, is going to be impacting in terms of you reporting out your, your financial numbers. Uh, in the case of Sarbanes-Oxley, you're going to have to report any of these material findings out to the street. Um, so these types of things are, are things you definitely, uh, as a public company, would want to avoid, right? And again, it, it varies. Uh, you know, if God forbid you you work in a bank or in the financial services, there is a whole slew of different things that you have to comply with. And, and as you would be very familiar with the rotating auditor door that's coming uh, through there, all the way through. You know, it's it's different for retail versus healthcare versus tech or, or whatever the case may be. Gotcha. Okay. And what were some of the like specific metrics that would typically be reported in these like more tactical sections? Yeah. I mean, so, if, you know, selfishly speaking, when, when I talk about vulnerability management, it's uh, a lot of times then you're, you're counting vulnerabilities back then, right? And you're counting critical vulnerabilities or you're counting, uh, you know, the, the number of remediations that, that you've, uh, you know, how, how many open versus closed, how many risk accepted, all of these very tactical numbers thing and going up is bad in terms of open volumes, going down is good, but it was how good or how bad or, you know, there was no sense of talking about what's the risk, what is the actual likelihood and impact of something bad happening. And you could carry that well beyond vulnerability management, right? So all of your series of controls, uh, whether it be around compliance frameworks or just security in general, right? Is, there's a whole slew of things like this control is in place. This control has a, is a, is a mitigating factor. This one is not in place. What's the risk? I don't, there, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation around risk at the time. And I think there needed to be, frankly, because uh, there was a big gap between 
how security people talk about security and how boards talk about whether it's security or, or anything else in terms of risk. Got it. That's actually interesting. That I, it's easy to forget how relatively novel cybersecurity as risk really is from a you know market standpoint, right? I mean, uh, major breaches, I would say, within the last 10 years have really driven a lot of the concern from the board, right? And that's relatively new in the grand scheme of things. And so you're saying, you know, originally maybe you're in some tactical kind of discussions, um, if you're even in the board discussion at all, um, typically you're very compliance focused. And then um, when you are getting there, you know, you're talking about things that are hard to lay out in a contextual setting. So you're talking about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but how much of our infrastructure have we scanned as a percentage? How many vulnerabilities did that pop up in our radar? How many of those were we able to close in a month? And then you just, do that over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't, you actually, you would do that and you probably would not do that over and over one because you didn't have that sort of visibility at the board level. Yeah. Um, and if you did do that over and over, you wouldn't have much visibility at the board level for very long. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah. Cool. I'm like, how do you provide like, uh, you know, trending is like a really big piece of uh, auditing compliance performance, right? So uh, your next board meeting happens to be on Wednesday after Microsoft drops a bunch of new uh, new vulns. And you're like, oh. That's right. And if you're just measuring on things like open vulns or even open critical vulns or things like that, right, then effectively you have no control over that. And it's not really telling you how you're performing. All it is is telling you of all the software and operating systems and things that you're running, you know, how what's what's the patching cadence or the the reporting, the vulnerability reporting cadence of those vendors? Well, that, that's how I'm not exactly sure how that affects me. I want to understand risk. And, and to your point right there. Ultimately, you're trending or you know, whether, whether it be VCs or, you know, public company boards, they want to see lines over dots, right? They don't want to see just a point in time. They want to understand, am I getting better? Are we getting worse? What's, what's going into this? How do I get better? Uh, what's it going to take? What are the resources? All of these things. I need to be able to understand that. And, and better needs to be really in the form of risk in this case, right? Because that's really what you're trying to do is how do I reduce my security risk over time with the resources that I have or as efficiently as possible? That actually brings me to another question. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, trying to talk about criticality back in the day. Um, and I assume you're going off of uh, if, you know, especially if we're talking about, you know, compliance-based remediation, PCIe, right, um, CVSS. Would you have to educate the board on what CVSS is and how would you have that conversation, right? Like how do you talk about criticality through that lens back in the day? Yeah, so unfortunately, it would often be blurred and you would often see security people say CVSS and refer to it as risk at the same time, which as we very clearly communicate now, that's, that's not the case. But ultimately, when you're talking about CVSS, it's, it's a piece of risk because really you're talking about the severity of a vulnerability, but you're lacking all of the other contexts that make up the actual risk picture, right? So I want mm -hmm. to be able to understand, okay, this is a high severity vulnerability, great. So that there is some serious impact here in terms of the 
the the vulnerability itself, right? Yeah. Um, maybe it's a remote code execution vulnerability. Somebody can execute code uh, w- without authentication, something like that. God forbid, don't ever use those words in a board meeting. <laughs> um, and like then, who's getting know, executed? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and take it on top of that, I need the context of, okay, so you know, are these vulnerabilities on assets that matter? Are they important? What do we do with these assets? Are the, you know, is, uh, is, is this part of a compliance framework? Is it, is it a regulated asset? You know, what sort of data does it handle? All of these types of things. And then of course, what's, what's the actual likelihood of, of this thing actually happening, right? So I got to combine all of these things into a picture to understand ultimately you're getting to is what's the likelihood of a bad security event happening and if that event happens, what's the impact to the business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and back in the day, you, you, you talked a lot about, you know, we started to see all of these breach notification laws come up first at the state level and then, and then more broadly. Um, and everybody was kind of trying to, oh my God, I, I need to avoid uh, notifying of a breach. So we definitely don't want that to happen, right? And as, as we saw over time, um, and as we kind of thought in the security industry would happen, which is you almost got breach notice, notice of fatigue, right? Everybody was notifying of a breach. And then it became more about, well, how are they handling the breach, right? Did, the, did they do a really great job after the fact? Did they notify the right people? Did they contain it immediately? You know, yeah. were they- How did they, they communicate and disclose out to yeah, the public? Yeah, all of and these all types stuff, of yeah. things. That became more important than the, than the pre. And now I think we're kind of moving to, it's, it's kind of a more holistic, for the good of all of us, I think it's a more holistic view, right? Which is there's- uh, even within our industry, when we're looking at all of the various technologies and things like that, there's that pendulum that's swinging back and forth between detect and respond and mm-hmm. you know predict and prevent. And really, we have to do all of that, right? To a degree, yeah. right? If we're just spending on detect and respond, then we're firefighting all the time. If we're just uh, spending on prevention, you know, you can't prevent everything. So something's gonna get through and then we have no means to actually detect and respond to that. Everybody realizes we got to do a little bit of of everything in order to kind of make that picture better. Interesting. So I guess that would talk to the evolution, right? So in the last 10 years, things like uh, Equifax and all that has really raised this to strong consideration within the general boards of directors. So maybe not even just the, you know, compliance group or audit group now the actual greater board and i actually pulled up we have a deloitte study from 2018 um, that showed that uh, cybersecurity risk was actually the number two priority with boards so on the plus side that is really good for us as an industry boards are one um nominating directors who may have cybersecurity backgrounds or understand at least cybersecurity risk in a more meaningful way. Um, We have more visibility for cybersecurity as a function within the greater IT landscape at the board level, which ideally means, you know, you can go, go to back and get a little more funding for your cybersecurity defense and all that stuff. From a reporting standpoint, how do you move them from a work done? Here's our vulnerability footprint as an organization, right? Um, and here's how hard we're doing stuff every day, right? Um, to you know, more of the meaningful, impactful metrics. And how, how do you tell that story? How do you report that? 
Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And, and you said the key words there, which is tell a story, right? Um, and, and I think for the most part, this has really improved over the last few years, right? Um, you mentioned it's cybersecurity risk, not cybersecurity metrics per se. Um, but ultimately what I want to do when I'm in front of the board is I wanna say, hey, here's how we determine, or you know, first you gotta level set on definitions, right? This is what it means when, when we say cybersecurity risk. Uh, but ultimately you wanna say, all right, here's where we were, right? Here's where we are now. Here's where we need to be or where we want to go. Here are the resources that are needed, both uh, uh, time and material, but as well as you know, people and, and, and everything else that go into that to get to here, right? And, uh, and going back to that you know, lines over dots, I want to see that trend and I wanna to continue to see that go in the right direction. Um, now there's, there's trade-offs, right? We all know that there's trade-offs in security. So we need to be able to say, okay, we can do X and it's gonna reduce our, our, our risk by Y, but it's gonna cost Z, right? Or we could do this other option, which is gonna cost less. It's gonna be a little bit more efficient. We're not gonna reduce our risk quite as much or there's some other trade-off in terms of performance, functionality, features, everything is a trade-off, right? So I've got X amount of resources that I can apply to my business, right? How am I going to apply those resources? Some of that will be to reduce cybersecurity risk. Some of that will be to generate new features for my product. Some will be to market these new features for my product, whatever the case may be. There's only so much that can go into that business, right? And I need to understand what all of my trade-offs and decision points are in order to, in, in this case, reduce risk, right? Huh, interesting. And how does uh, that feedback, I guess, what is the board's role back down to the CISO? So what are the questions you get? What are some of the guidance and or challenges you might get from a board of directors at a, as a CISO? Yeah, it's yeah, this goes down to careful what you wish for, right? We're, we're all getting a <laughs> lot more attention as, as CISOs at the board level, which is great uh, in terms of, of you know, getting some of the things done that need to get done in this, uh, in this industry. Uh, but it can also be the the, the bane of, of, of CISO's existence at times, uh, reporting into the board and uh, educating them on, on cybersecurity risk. Um, some of the questions, I've, probably the biggest problems that you still see are the gaps in language and definition and understanding. You know, board members typically are pretty well savvy when it comes to risk in general, certainly to financial risk and, and, yeah. and uh, business risk and strategic risk and things like that. Um, so if you can form your, your presentation and, and kind of your pitch in that language, right? To understand, to ultimately say, hey, look, it's, uh, this is the likelihood and the impact of this event happening. Here's we're going to spend this amount of money in order to reduce that likelihood or that impact or both. Um, you start to understand it from a financial perspective, right? Which is, okay, that makes sense because I'm going to put in this amount of dollars. And by doing that, I'm going to reduce my risk to that, that dollar stack down the road at a much greater rate, right? So ultimately it becomes, I don't want to say uh, a return on security investment because that's oftentimes uh, misused, uh, especially by vendors in the industry. Yeah. Um, I won't name names. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, well, it's also hard to quantify like a negative, like this did not happen. Right? Yeah, exactly right. There are, there are a few industries I think where you can 
you can eat, or I shouldn't say industries, there's few verticals within the security industry where it becomes a little bit easier to to generate that or to demonstrate that ROI, like identity management comes to mind and all of these different things. Um, but, but for the most part, you know, the security industry is around preventing something bad from happening and didn't happen. Therefore, the what a great investment, right? Um, it's pr- that proving that negative is, is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, and you know, that actually makes a ton of sense. And I hadn't considered that before, but in general, a big part of a board of directors is to weigh uh, risk, which by more of a traditional definition of risk, not cybersecurity, how we, I guess, normally have thought about it is likelihood and the impact of said likelihood happening, right? That's, that's yeah. the whole, <laughs> I guess, more uh, financial minded um outcome and that's generally a big big role that boards play is understanding that weighing that and providing guidance against some of that stuff right and so you're essentially talking about porting cybersecurity language into more of a business language that you know boards yep. of directors understand more naturally and there are frameworks for doing this right like fair uh, comes to mind as as a methodology for kind of uh, conveying risk at this broad level, right? So you start to understand the likelihood, the impact, you start to understand loss frequencies and, and things like that. So you can st- start to plan for it because ultimately what, what you're trying to do is prevent either those big power law events from happening or too many of uh, losses, loss events at even a small level, right? You, you, you kind of want to balance that out. And there's a certain, and, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, but verticals and industries and and public versus private all matters in terms of kind of what is your risk tolerance as a business and that's always been a, a really difficult thing for for CISOs to figure out is well what is our risk tolerance everybody says you, know, you talk to anybody and they, they don't want any risk right but that's not truly what they're after when it comes to the risk tolerance yeah, that makes sense because if it, like our risk tolerance is zero, you're like, cool, yeah. give me $5 billion. Yeah, and stop doing any sort of business and whatsoever. Online, <laughs> yeah. And let's stop using any technology that requires humans and online access and I'll give you zero risk. That's right. And one of the, uh, you know, you asked earlier what were some of the common questions that come up from the board. That is definitely one that, that I used to see a lot and I'm sure still comes up all the time are things like, well, so what? how do we compare to our competitors, our industry, right? Things like that. So you often get this this benchmarking, if you will, of, all right, so I, I don't want to be too far out in front or also too far behind my competitors in this space, right? unless I'm in a specific space where that's actually the, the value that I'm creating for my customers. I want to be roughly in line, probably just a little bit ahead of them. Interesting. So how would you get some of these peer benchmarks back in the day versus today, right? Uh, it, like, it depends, but it was really difficult. So I remember I remember the, the days of everybody in this uh, industry and certainly security teams complaining that there is no data, there is no data, we have nothing to operate on. Uh, you know, I, I think at this point, it, it's probably tilted in the opposite direction that I'm buried in data and, and I can't make any sense of it. But, you know, back then I would say there's a few areas so you could... the um, the ISACs were certainly in, and still are a place. Like if you're in financial services, FS ISAC, healthcare has their own ISAC, retail, et cetera. So, and that's basically, you know, various security teams that are getting together, sharing information about how they're, what they're seeing, et cetera. One of the things that I was always jealous of actually when I, I was at Orbitz 
was the fraud groups. Um, so they would share uh, information about uh, fraudulent users, about specific fraud techniques, even directly with our competitors, right? Um, and it yeah. was one of those cases where, you know, the I forget the saying, something about rising tides and boats and- Yeah, lifting <laughs> But, but the, the ability yeah. for us to basically uh, reduce fraud across the industry was a benefit to everyone. And, and, and they were really good about that. So, you know, back then it was more around kind of peer to peer information sharing. There's still a lot of that that goes on, but now there's a lot more, I would say, technology platforms, uh, especially since the, the advent of SaaS, uh, where you can start to get that aggregate information and you can actually buy some of that data as well uh, to really kind of understand how industries are doing, how peer groups are doing in various uh, areas of security. Interesting. So providing some sort of benchmark against, you know, an analog. Because I know like boards and especially like CEOs, right? They're like, okay, how are we doing versus X, right? X company or um, just to to orient yourself, right? I think that's helpful. There was always two questions I used to get. One of them was terrible. One of them was okay. The terrible one, of course, is are we secure? Uh, which is <laughs> just, just a silly binary Today, question. Today, now, this second, nonsensical. yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> But the, but the other one was just that, which is, you know, how, so how do we compare to others, right? What are others doing? Are we, are we ahead of them? Are we behind them? If so, by how much? And, and, I, and I, I can understand wanting to do that um, to a point, right? At, at some point, you, you, you got to be able to threat model yourself because um, that's, that's what it comes down to. But as a baseline, it, it, it is a good baseline to at least understand how others are doing. Gotcha. Well, and so... As I understand it, you know, some of the key metrics that are, I guess, have been used successfully have been things like mean time to detection, um, mean time to remediation, you know, the MTTR, MTTDs, stuff like that. Um, uh, what are some of the current metrics that you think boards get and or should understand? Yeah, so those those are traditional. In fact, we still see those a lot. Um I am not a fan, actually, of mean time to remediation, mean time to detection, things like, especially mean time to remediation. Uh, that's a little bit, and I think we talked a little bit about this with Jay Jacobs uh, last week. Um, but the, the that only takes into account what you've actually remediated, right? So there's a whole bunch of stuff out there that you haven't remediated or maybe never remediates, right? So how do you understand all of that? So. The, while I won't expect any of our CISOs listening to this to uh, start reporting area under the curve to the board, it's a good way to kind of understand if you have these survival curves out there to be really to be able to understand how quickly you actually are remediating everything uh, for any particular through any particular lens, right? So if I want to say, all right, it's for these high risk loans that affect this really important area of the business. What is our area under the curve for remediation? What's that survival curve ultimately look like? And how quickly am I eradicating this stuff? That's really how you want to measure that sort of thing. Um, there's uh, capacity, which we've talked about before, is what are you actually capable, given the resources that you have right now? And this is a great conversation to have with the board, actually, is if you're continuously measuring this and start to understand, okay, in any given 30-day or 90-day period, I'm going to introduce this many vulnerabilities, this many security incidents, this many whatever, 
and I'm going to remediate it. Why of that of those right? And and that's that you start to measure that over time. You can start to understand what's your capacity for remediation given the resources that you have. And then you you, you take a step back and you look at the risk and you understand. Is that enough, right? Do I need to? Do I need more resources, right? Am I am I introducing too much risk, uh, and I can't keep up? Am I effectively um, falling behind or introducing more and more security debt over time? Am I basically keeping pace with and introducing as much security debt and remedying as much security debt in a, a given time frame, or am I actually getting ahead of this, right? And if you don't understand that capacity then it becomes a little bit more difficult when you go to plan out your security plan for the year, as we talked about earlier, where you say, here's where I'm going and this is how I'm gonna get there. You have to take capacity into account for things like that. It goes back, right, to what you are talking about earlier. All of these things show trends with context. Right. So these metrics go back to what you're talking about earlier. Right. Before we were just sharing volume of work, numbers without context, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, foundational stats that you may not be able to influence, like number of vulnerabilities. And now you're looking at things like remediation velocity. So direction, speed, how quickly can we get to X amount? Um, when you're looking at capacity, I think we know that on average that's 10%, right? One in 10, but you can show that context of introducing new things. You know, it, it by its nature shows that these environments are dynamic and we're taking certain levels of action based off of the risk tolerances we set. Is that right? That's exactly right, right? So ultimately it goes back to, I don't wanna report on these dots or points in times. I wanna report on trends. I want to be able to kind of talk about where we are and where we're going and how we're gonna get there and wrap all of that in a story. That's that's what you're taking to the board, right? You're not, you're not going in there talking about counting and CVSS or mean time to remediate or any of these types of things. Yeah. We've got 23 million vulnerabilities. And yeah. like, is that good? <laughs> well, last, last month we had 24 million. So we've eliminated 1 million vulnerabilities. Okay, great. And how much did that cost us? And did we eliminate any risk as part of those vulnerabilities? What, you know, how much did we spend in versus the, the risk that we reduced? Interesting. Well, and then, you know, that also brings up and makes it very interesting for me is like, how would you figure out the proper investment amount as a CISO? I know this is kind of getting off topic, but just popped into my head anyway. Uh, you know, the amount to, of your budget to throw at it, or if you needed more, if you just knew these kind of holistic, you know, vulnerability exposure numbers, right? And work done. Being able to measure this, watch it over time, understand what your risk tolerance is as a business. Uh, all these things go into account for when you go out and say, okay, so this is how much money and resources that I'm going to need next year to get to the point that you we've all agreed that we want to be at, right? So first you got to get to that point of here's where we are, here's where we're going. Do we all agree that this is where we should go and, and the costs associated with that? Now, how do we go about doing that, right? Um, and there's probably a, a number of methods to doing that, whether that be eliminating risk, reducing risk in some capacity by in, uh, introducing new controls or, or other types of, of things in the environment, or even frankly, you know, uh, outsourcing the, the, the risk to insurance or, or, or elsewhere. 
Cool. I mean, is there any other uh, best practices and tips you would give to any aspiring CISOs that may have to be reporting to boards of directors in the near future? Don't do it. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going with the uh, traditional meme of CISOs are the new scapegoats, right? That's um, right. That's right. Um, no, I mean, I think we we covered a lot of a lot of ground here. Um, uh, you know, take a step back, make sure that you're not getting too far into the weeds. Um, uh, there was a term that came out, uh, I don't know, two or three years ago, um, the, the difference between big R and little r in terms of risk, right? You want to be re- reporting on uh, big R uh, in terms of risk. And I'll, I'll for the notes for the this sh- podcast, I'll throw over a, a blog post that uh, that I'm referring to here. Uh, which is to say you're, you're looking at the, the risk more broadly across the organization um, versus the individual risk of a vulnerability or an asset or something like that, right? You're, it's a, it's, you're, you're painting a bigger picture and, and starting to understand you know, where you are, where you're going, et cetera. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ed. Really appreciate it. Um, For this show, I will go ahead and link a couple blogs. I know you've written a piece on this. um, uh, Actually, fairly recently, we also have the Deloitte study that I mentioned and uh, Ed, the uh, Big R, Little R uh, blog as well. So we'll link that on the podcast page. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. I hope this could help you out. Awesome. Thank you.